Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Tracy from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Are you a small business owner or even someone who dreams of entrepreneurship? Then check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from iHeart Podcasts and Intuit QuickBooks. Join hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres as they interview entrepreneurs sharing insights around starting and nurturing a small business. You won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And not just the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go papertarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and happy Friday. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. As we said, I had John Perlin on the show to talk about uh, trees and their import in the survival of humans throughout the years. But I also had an experience recently, (laughs) which I'm going to out myself as uh, very nerdy in a specific kind of way, um, where I was at a company event and we were in this really beautiful place with this gorgeous courtyard and this beautiful tree growing over it. And one of our colleagues had said to me, like, man, I would give anything to just climb that tree right now. And I was like, not me. And he looked at me like I had said, by the way, I eat babies. Like, I just, (laughs) it was like, do you not... Are trees not alluring? And I was like, I have never climbed a tree and I have no desire to. <laughs> Tracy, are you a tree climbing child? Uh, we had, it's probably clear to long-term listeners of the show, my mother was an anxious person. Um, <laughs> she's uh, less anxious now, but an anxious person. So my mom had uh, specific rules about like how large the tree branch could be uh, if we were going to put our weight on it. Um, and so we had... Because she didn't want us to step yeah, onto a branch sense. that couldn't hold our weight. Uh, a lot of my mom's anxieties honestly were very sensible, but like there were a number of things that we had a lot of rules about. Uh, and so there were several trees in our yard that we could climb into, but we could not really climb high in them. Um, and I like it's, I would not say I've had a pastime of climbing trees, but like that was a thing that I did a lot as a kid. Um, and then, like, even into college, uh, I went to the University of North Carolina at Asheville, which is immediately adjacent to a botanical garden that had lots of, you know, a couple of trees that were pretty good climbing trees. And so I have not tried to do such a thing in many years, though. So. Yeah, I'm not a tree climber. We, um, I lived in the Pacific Northwest when I was very young. And I remember we had a, a tree that had a, a branch that hung very low that we would swing from that branch once to uh moderate disaster but um i just i i had a weird anxiety from the time i was a kid 
I don't necessarily have this anxiety now. I'm more relaxed about it, but I still don't want to climb a tree, which was that I was convinced as a child that if I did so, I would like get up to a point and all of a sudden from under the bark, a million bugs would come out and get on Okay, me. sure. I'm less fussy about bugs now than I used to be, but I still am like, there's a part of like my base brain function that's still like, bugs will climb out and get all yeah. of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you... <laughs> You remember the Eddie Izzard routine about running, jumping, climbing trees, climbing trees. putting on makeup, putting on yes. makeup when I get up there. Uh, that was me in a lot of ways as a kid. Um, like I would, I would climb up the tree and then play with my dolls up there, or I would climb up the tree and then, like, I had this um, this dog that had a radio in its belly, and I would sit there and listen to the radio yeah. and like brush the dog's hair. Um, I that was kind of stuff that I did. Yeah, I just did that on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Or indoors. Um, I mean, I wasn't like a completely indoor child by any means, but I don't know. The tree thing, I don't, I'm not really scared of heights, so I don't think that was a factor. I don't know. And I never think of myself as particularly prissy, but I was concerned that I would get just irretrievably dirty in a tree. Yeah. (laughs) I... I was scared of heights, but the trees in our yard, like the the restrictions on how big the branches could be, like they were smaller than that before I would be high enough to be like, oh, it's too high. I'm scared. Right. Um. So yeah, I um to talk about my interview with John a little bit now that we've established our baseline relationship personally with trees. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was so. Interesting to me, there was so much, I mean, we talked about it in that interview that so much has happened since he first wrote the book that really informs the history of trees and civilization and, like, the rise of Archaeopteris being what's considered the first modern tree and everything literally um, coming off of that, branching from it, if you'll forgive a really crappy pun, because I don't love puns, Um It's so interesting how much science can... It was indicative to me and gave me a moment of pause later on to think about how much science has evolved just in the last couple of decades. Mm -hmm. That we have so much deeper understanding of of things. Um, This is also a moment that I had recently on a flight where I was watching Bill Nye's master class and he was talking about new ways that things have been tested in the environment and regarding climate change and how, like, they're, they're just... They're so much information that we have now that we didn't even have 10 years ago on Mm -hmm. how the environment is being changed by what people do. And it was uh, really, really wonderful. This interview was so fun and I kind of felt bad. John would have talked for much longer. I was literally trying to prep to get on a flight or I would have sat here for a long time because he just has such a long career of study of these topics. And also, as we mentioned at the end, you know, his work studying the history of our interaction with solar energy. Um, so I, I, my apologies to him that I couldn't stay for another four hours because I would hear it all. Um, and I, it was very funny. He's always written up as a physicist and having been a physics professor and I didn't realize it of course was in the interview that that was secondary and he had started his ecological work first and then uh, that had led him to physics not the other way around which yeah um can we return to puns for a minute yeah uh occasionally we will say something on the show and somebody will ask why didn't you say and then it's like the really obvious pun 
Uh, and I, it, the really obvious puns are like the my, my least favorite puns. And we're recording this right after recording the roller coaster episode. And I would just like to say there were so many of the same puns in the research for that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, please, please, can we not anymore? And I intentionally wrote the outline with no puns about roller coasters. Oh, blessings upon you. Yeah, I don't know why I don't like puns. They make me angry irrationally. <laughs> yeah, I I feel like a really clever pun can be great. Yeah. But a lot of puns are not They're clunky. Yeah. yeah. I did have a moment. Uh, I was having dinner with my husband recently, and I made a punny joke, and he just looked at me because he loves them and was like, oh, so much. I was like, you only get one. Yeah. <laughs> See you again in 10 years on the pun front. <laughs> They're also, uh, like, I know, I know folks who are just great at having a clever pun in their mind. And that's just, that's not how my mind works at all. That's not the kind of language that my brain is tuned to. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I've never liked them. And I remember the first time that I was like angry that someone thought I was making a pun when I wasn't. I was in eighth grade. Oh no. (laughs) Okay. I was in eighth grade and I had taken a science test and my science teacher, Mr. Smith, a pair of brothers who taught science at our school, who were both great teachers, had said like, hey, you can't have any notes out during, even if you finish your test and turn it in, Mm -hmm. you can't have any notes out because like, I don't want any other students accidentally looking at, you know, your notes. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at a piece of sheet music that I was studying for my band class, and I said, you would not count these as notes, would you? And he was like, ha, ah, because they're notes on the page. And I was like, shut up, Mr. Smith. Like, I was instantly <laughs> angry about it for no logical, re- complete irrational. I love this story. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> it stuck with me all these years. I think it was eighth grade. Um, I had Mr. Smith, one or the other, a couple different times in school. Because mm-hmm. I think, I may be misremembering. One definitely taught in my junior high, and one may have taught, like we switched over from one system of class schedule to another, and I think I had one of them twice. But anyway, um, they were honestly both wonderful teachers and very kind. <laughs> and dealt with me being irrationally freaked out about him suggesting I would make a pun. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the 
the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com where travels come true. This week we talked about the autobiographies of Jenny June, who also used the names Ralph Werther and Earl Lind. Man, I had such a hard time with this episode because so many of the things that she wrote about echo the things people are saying now about what it feels like to be forced to detransition because the law in your state is banning your necessary medical care or because your insurance has decided not to cover it anymore. So much. I was just so angry and upset the whole time that I worked on this. Yeah, it's super hard. It's so interesting to me to read through this. And other than changes in language that we talked about as like the the terminology has evolved, this could have been written today. So much of it could have been written today. Yes. Yeah. I think there are a lot of different folks who can see their own lives reflected in uh in Jenny June's life. Like as I was reading this, I read the accounts of like uh, a cisgender gay man who had discovered this autobiography um, when he was young and had never, like, read a first-person account of a historical figure who was, like, somewhere in the LGBTQ spectrum and, like, how much that meant to him uh, as a gay man. And then I have read other people who are trans and have um, had similar experiences reading this for the first time and realizing that, like, people have been saying this pretty clearly for more than a century in the United States that it feels awful to be forced to live uh, as a gender that is not what you feel is true in yourself. When we were recording this, uh, I had intentionally written it so that I was the person explaining the pronoun choice because that was, like, my choice. 
Um, I originally had plans to uh, follow the example of Channing Gerard Joseph because, like, before having read these works, I was like, this explanation aligns with how we generally uh, ha- handle these decisions and how we generally talk about things. And then I, as I was reading it and I was reading all these stories about, like, wetting her pants because going to the boys' bathroom was too traumatic, I was like, I can't. I can't use he, him pronouns for you. That feels bad and wrong. So <laughs> there were a couple of things that I sort of saved to talk about in the behind the scenes. One, uh, Channing Gerard Joseph, if you're like, why does this name ring a bell? I feel like you have talked about this person before. Channing Gerard Joseph is the person who wrote the biography of William Dorsey Swan, who uh, has come up on the show a couple of times before. As far as I know, that book has not come into print yet. Um, and I don't know what the status of it is, uh, but there was a, an article about William Dorsey Swan that went viral a couple of years back. Um, uh, some uh, Somebody who is sometimes described as, like, the first drag queen um, right. was uh, enslaved from birth and then came to play this, like, very prominent part of, like, the drag and ball culture of uh, the time uh, that that they were living. So I am still eager for the, <laughs> for that book to come out, and I'm not sure what the status of it is. Um, the other thing is, or an other thing is, I had a, a, a piece in here from one of the books that I wound up um, taking out because I, it, uh, I was trying to make sure that, that this episode came in. We have some guidelines at our job about, like, how long episodes are, and I was trying to stay within those guidelines. Um, and uh, I just wanted to read Jenny June's discussion of Walt Whitman. <laughs> yes, please. Uh, quote, Walt Whitman stands foremost among American androgynes, but he was of the mild type. Many passages of leaves of grass and drum taps exist as proof. He never married, although closely pursued by even wealthy women desiring him as a husband. In middle age, he spent his hours for recreation in the society of adolescents, as I was informed by Whitman's so-called adopted son. That is, he courted them as a normal man courts a woman. Chance made me intimate with the adopted son in his 70s. All three of us happened to belong to New York City. So I really, I want to read some kind of like novel or for there to be a play or something about Jenny June and Peter Doyle, who I'm assuming is who Jenny Dune is talking about here, which is um, who Walt Whitman spent, like, the latter part of his life with. I think I think that's who's being described here. Uh, I, I was really uh, kind of entranced by this whole kind of name drop of, oh, and, by the way, uh, Walt Whitman's adopted son I've hung out with before. This, of course, all makes me think of Bram Stoker, who... Oh, yeah. As we talked about, was kind of in love with Walt Whitman from afar <laughs> and wrote him that very raw and kind of, um, um, it's almost embarrassing to read it because it's so emotionally raw. Like, you feel like you're eavesdropping on mm-hmm. someone. Uh, letter about how he's not very attractive, but he is strong and really loves Walt Whitman. And I'm just yeah. like, oh, if he could meet up with these two. Yeah. What, what a wild time they might have. What a great party. Maybe, anyway. although since Bram Stoker was very repressed, probably not. <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, well, Walt Whitman, I have the impression, not very repressed. No. No. 
Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. I'm Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. Did you know small businesses make up 99.9% of all businesses in the United States? The world is powered by entrepreneurs. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out season two of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. And every episode hosts Austin Hankwitz and Janice Torres talk to entrepreneurs about how they've grown from the lessons of launching and nurturing a small business and how they have found success being their own boss. From the excitement of first starting out to finding Finding the right tools and resources to process invoices and payments like QuickBooks Money, you won't want to miss these inspiring stories of entrepreneurship and discovering ways to business differently so you can too. And if you're a small business owner or even someone dreaming of starting your own business, then you'll want to check out Season 2 of Mind the Business, small business success stories from Ruby Studio, from iHeartMedia, and Intuit QuickBooks. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. So anyway, I got the impression from reading these autobiographies that uh, by the time she wrote the autobiographies, Jenny June felt kind of settled within herself and um, not carrying so much shame about herself. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point that there are moments in uh, in the introductions, in Herzog's introductions, um, where he's he seems kind of scandalized that she could feel pride about anything. Right. Um, but so much of the books relates times uh, that she did feel so much shame and stigma that it's like it's hard to come away with the sense um, that her life ever did become just a little bit, a little bit less full of just feeling so ashamed about her life. Right, if that makes sense. I'm glad you mentioned Herzog because you know in talking about his 
introduction and his commentary on it is so fascinating to me because in some ways it seems like he wanted to be, for lack of a better word, something of an ally, Mm -hmm. but was also very bad at it, which I think happens a lot still. Yeah. Right? Like, that's the, the tricky thing about an outsider's allyship is that often, like, you mess up because you just do not understand the experience. And you're trying to, like, parse it through your yeah your personal lens of how you understand the world, and that's not, that's part of the problem. Yeah. Well, and the part of what he wrote that I feel like is really laudable, given the time especially, uh, was how definitively he was like, these are just people who are trying to live their lives, and they're not hurting anybody. He even dispels the idea that there is a contagion involved that, like, somehow people like Jenny June would recruit other people, and that, like, is a damaging stereotype and falsehood that, like, still exists today, that there's some kind of contagion that's causing people to be trans. He definitively was like, no, like, this is inborn in this person. Um, And and the, the people who we're talking about, like, don't deserve to be harassed, don't deserve to be murdered, do deserve to live full lives, uh, without being, you know, stigmatized or imprisoned or driven to suicide. But at the same time was like, I think it's gross, though, was sort of his right. undertone of the whole thing. And was really, I don't know, loud in <laughs> making sure everyone knew that he thought it was gross. Right. It reminds me a little bit of, have you ever had that friend who is very, co- I mean, I have had definitely straight male friends who are comfortable having gay friends Uh but feel really, really compelled to let other people in their lives know, but I'm not gay. Yeah. And it's like, dude, nobody cares. (laughs) (laughs) You're fine. I know you accept these people. I I don't care about yourself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, It feels a little bit like that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, before we close out this little behind the scenes, I just want to say definitively, like, transgender people are not new. We Not by a long shot. We've been talking about people who, like, don't fit within the, like, gender or sexual orientation binary going back way farther than this on the show. And this, to me, is just such a clear example of somebody, you know, even though the term transgender didn't exist at the time. And even though there are nuances to how she seems to have envisioned her own life, like, just so clearly saying, like, I am a woman, and it feels bad that I have to live as a man. Like, it's it's there, and it's been there for more than 100 years. And in a lot of ways, it felt like we as a society here in the U.S. were making progress. And now it feels like a lot of that progress is being rolled back. And I hate it and I'm furious. And there were times when we were recording this that I was crying because I was so mad. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I don't call your legislators. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, it's, I kept finding myself thinking about, particularly in the passages where she was talking about having to, after growing up wearing the same, you know, clothes as other little kids, which was pretty like what we would categorize as feminine um and then having to switch to boy clothes and how much that was just painful i 
I started to really think about how that division has become greater and greater for a long time, right? Like, if you go back to my man Louis Couture's, Mm -hmm. very problematic, very interesting, like, there have been times in history where straight men were encouraged to dress. Oh, sure. In very flamboyant and fancy and, um, you know, kind of feminine ways. Yeah. And yet we have now gotten to this point where, I mean, I think we're, sh- Knockwood, still working and fighting for it, shifting out of that kind of, you know, only binary system of like masculine and feminine style and I'm like if we could just all get to a point where everybody could wear whatever they wanted that'd be great it would be amazing and no one would have to feel weird about being put in anything because it would be what they wanted to wear the most but yeah that's my my angle on it from clothing yeah so trans rights is what we say if you want to send us a note about this history podcast at iheartradio.com we're all over social media at Missing History. Uh, and we'll be back tomorrow for the Saturday Classic and Monday with something brand new. Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. USPS Ground Advantage. Simple, affordable, reliable.